Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. KMOX Action Service. George Sells with you for another hour here, 9.06 in the evening, downtown St. Louis. Beautiful spring day, and it kind of gets you in the mood for all the outdoor stuff we will soon be doing, and a lot of outdoor things we'll be doing that we've not been able to do for a couple of years, the big festivals, and one of the sort of rites of spring kind of did their their big launch. We're back today sending out the releases, and that is the Earth Day. Joined by Dr. Jess Watson from Earth Day 365. Welcome to KMOX. Thank you. So happy to be here. So tell me, how excited are you after being shut down for two years? You guys must have a lot up your sleeve as you get ready to hit Forest Park next month. Absolutely. We are over the moon to be able to be back. Um, And we have full city support behind us. We've been really excited to work closely with them to make sure that everything is done safely. But we're bringing back all the old favorites and a lot of new new fun stuff, too. So is it is it a little strange at this point? Because it's, you know, the last couple of years, we've all been sitting on our hands and looking for ways to do things virtually. And is it is it strange just as an event planner, basically, just trying to get back into the normal? Well, you know, I don't think it's strange. I mean, we've been looking for ways to get outside and come together for, for so long um, that, I, I mean, I am, I'm just beyond ready for this. Um, I actually just came into the organization right before COVID hit. So this is going to be my first real live festival with the organization. So I'm, I'm just really excited to see how it unfolds. You must be chomping at the bit then. <laughs> For sure. Everybody is. I mean, uh, everybody in the environmental movement here in, uh, in St. Louis is, is just like, you know, this is our, this is our time of year to convene. This is like Christmas. Yeah. So tell me over the last couple of years, of course, we've seen, more and more discussion of climate change, not that there wasn't plenty before, but uh, there are large corporations that are putting their money where their mouth is, so, so to speak, particularly automakers uh, who are announcing transfer to all electric vehicles, uh, some as soon as 2025, others uh, mid, mid-2030s. mid uh, How do you try to embrace that as you go as you go into an event like this? Well, um, you know, 
It's been it's been interesting. Um, we do have some auto sponsorship um, from Subaru. They're not uh, they don't have a focus on electric vehicles per se as part of their sustainability mission. They're more focused on zero waste um, in their factories, and so they're our zero waste sponsor. Um, and um, and they're bringing some some vehicles to the festival as well. Um, but in terms of electric vehicles, um, we have. Labyrinth Mobility as a partner, um, and they are providing um, an electric shuttle from the DeBolivar Metro Station to the festival, um, so, uh, two that they'll be circulating throughout the uh, both days. And then um, we're going to be having an electric vehicle enthusiast club um, come for our transportation section and bring a lot of really cool electric vehicles that everybody can check out. Um, and we're also having some um, electric battery companies. So they produce the, the batteries that are in electric vehicles. They'll be showing off charging stations and things like that. So we will have an electric vehicle focus for sure. Well, tell me about the Earth Day Challenge because like, attendees can take part in this. What is it? What is the Earth Day Challenge? Yeah, you know, um, we've had this for quite a few years, but we have a new twist um, this year because. We really want people to focus instead of on things, you know, accumulating things and um, consuming, we want people to focus more on experiences um, in general um, and also at the festival. But so instead of coming and checking off the boxes to um, do things more sustainably that week or that day, and and those four things that that people can do, the challenge is really to um, take public transportation, to eat a vegetarian or vegan meal, um, to uh, compost their food, um, and um, the the fourth thing is to bring a water bottle or a bag, a reusable bag, to the festival. So do two of those, um, and then you come to the Earth Day Challenge booth, and you get a raffle ticket to one of um, over 20 uh, really cool experiences um, or subscriptions or um, a memberships that you can you can get. So those include an adventure on um, with Big Muddy uh, canoe adventures. Um, they there's a compost subscription where you can get your compost picked up on your porch for six months. Um, there's memberships um, to the Missouri Botanical Garden. Um, there's camping adventures. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that that's available this year. So we, we have a little twist on it this year. So what is your favorite Earth Day memory? I, I think I talked to people, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, just about remembering the first time, and we were both you know, kind of college age, which unfortunately for, in my case was a very long time ago. But but just the first time you went to a festival like this and, and, and the great memories of that, what, what, what are your favorite personal memories of Earth Day? You know, I think one of my favorite memories is um, is coming and encountering a booth called Dancing Rabbit Eco Village, and they were um, they had their shoes off, they had bare feet, and they were stomping in mud, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I mean, it looked fun, um, but but I didn't understand why they'd be doing that um, at their booth. And it turns out that they have a focus on natural building, and so they were making cob. They were mixing mud with a couple of other things that strengthen it. Um, and and then they were building um, a, a house with it. Um, so the festival is that, is that kind of a place where you'll you'll turn the corner and you'll encounter something that um, you know you never ex- had heard about. Um, but it it turns out that it's something that is really important in the world of sustainability, and you can actually use it and apply it to your own life. You know, you could make your own 
pizza oven in your backyard out of Cobb. I, I have friends who have done it. Um, so there's just a, a wealth of um, both fun and learning that happens at the festival. Okay, with the last few seconds we've got here, give us the rundown, the dates, the times, where people need to be. Absolutely. So we are um, April 23rd and April 24th. We are back at the Muni and Forest Park. We're so excited to be coming home. Um, it's from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. both days. We have over 150 booths, um, and you can park your car at the St. Louis Community College lot, or you can metro in um, and get that shuttle that I mentioned before from the DeBolivar metro station. Um, and there's the Earth Day Cafe is brimming with sustainable food options. We're going to have live music both days um, at our stage. We brought the stage back this, this year. Um, there's also going to be uh, two bir- bird shows every day from the World Bird Sanctuary and yoga, free yoga all day. There's free rock climbing. There's just tons of, of stuff, and it is all free and open to the public. All right. One of those gatherings that we are used to is a rite of passage in the spring here in St. Louis, finally coming back after two years. Dr. Jess Watson, Earth Day 365, thank you for joining us on KMOX. Thank you so much. KMOX Newstime, 914. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Camelax at your service, 918 on a Tuesday night. George Sells with you up until the 10 o'clock hour. We have found bipartisanship in Washington, ladies and gentlemen. I know, sit down, take a breath. This is a lot to absorb. Bipartisanship in Washington. The United States Senate 
voted unanimously on something. And what's funny about it is that most people are not unanimous on this. Uh, Marco Rubio, the Republican senator from Florida, dubbed it sort of tongue-in-cheek the Sunshine Protection Act. Basically, what they have decided they want to do is keep daylight saving time all year round. Just be done with changing the clocks, leave them where they are, and call it a day. And the United States Senate, first of all, they brought this up. Like, very little was said about it beforehand. There was no, like, preview or buildup to it. Nobody was floating the idea. They just, they threw the thing out on the floor, and these these ladies and gentlemen go out there and they vote 100 to nothing in favor of this. Like, this is great. Daylight, all year round, you know, late daylight. Now, my house is a house divided. We have this conversation every year around my house. Uh, my wife is a firm believer that the later the better as far as daylight goes. And so she's going to love this. I haven't even had a chance to talk with her about this yet because the story broke this afternoon while we were both working. Uh, but we've talked about it in nausea. She, is, she loves it. She's all good. I have a different view. There is nothing I despise more than waking up before dawn. I don't know if it goes if it's like PTSD from all the years that I was in local news when I would have to work morning show shifts and you know you you set your alarm for three in the morning or two thirty in the morning or something like that to get into the office and it just your body just says no. I mean let's let's remember we're, we're animals basically and and our our nature is to wake up with the sun and go to bed when the sun goes down. That, that's what we're supposed to do. If we were still cavemen and cave women, that's about how we'd be rolling. Nothing good happens at night. Your mom told you that in high school, remember? But uh, that's not how it is. But the downside of this, I was talking with Sean Michael Lyle, our news guy out here a few minutes ago, and we were talking about this. And uh, the downside is not just waking up before dark, but think about the dead of winter, if you've got kids in school uh, and they're going to the bus stop and like here in St. Louis in January, if this whole thing passes and gets signed, you're not going to have sunrise until well past eight, a little bit past eight in the morning. So you're going to have little kids all over St. Louis standing on street corners in pitch dark waiting for school buses. Not sure that's such a great idea both for the just being in the dark part, not cool if you're six. Uh, then you've got the whole issue of people driving and they don't see little Johnny running across in the street to the bus stop. That could be fatal and tragic and a number of bad things. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot to be discussed about this. Uh, and so I guess I, just, I find it interesting that a, they just nobody floated. I mean, they float trial balloons for everything in Washington. There's always something that they're just floating it out there to see how it polls. And I've I have not heard a thing about any polling or any conversation or anything of the sort on this topic. It's just like, hey, we're gonna do this. There it is. Curious what you think if you want to call in, by the way. The number is 314-436. 7,900. Uh, I say keep things how they are. My wife says let's let the daylight shine as late as possible at all times. Who, who are you with? What do you think? 
Now, I, I, I put this out on Twitter earlier as well, and uh, I'm at George Sells if you want to weigh in that way. I have a few responses. Anthony says, yay on the idea, but he doesn't like the name of the act. He calls it a little bit, a little bit misleading, the uh, whole Sunshine Protection Act. I don't know that I pointed out that that was uh, probably a little tongue-in-cheek on the part of the senator there. but uh, So there's one, there's one in favor. Another one is our friend Randy Graham used to— Randy Grimm over there at uh, Stray Rescue. He is in favor as well. Yay, as long as it's always the same. So he just, we don't, he doesn't want, he just wants it one way or the other. Stay on standard, stay on savings, just stay. Don't make me change my clocks. Uh, Jessica says, sure, if we can start school later in the day. Jessica with an answer uh, to the children waiting for the bus in the dark question. And that is something that, I'll tell you what. If they're not, if they don't discuss it before the fact, they will be discussing it after because you know sometime somewhere next winter, you know whether it's in St. Louis, whether it's in Minnesota, Michigan, whatever, there, something's going to happen. Kids gonna get hit by a car, something. I don't know what. God forbid. But let's face it, the, the odds are astronomically in favor of that happening, and then everybody's going to turn around and say, "What were we thinking?" They never even told us. They just passed it. And then you'll have a big fight, and then they'll go back and change it. This has happened before, uh, where they, back during the Nixon administration, they made it daylight saving all the time because it was during the Arab oil embargo or in response to it, and they felt it was a way to save energy. That's the same reason you'll recall that uh, standard time was shortened uh, back during the George W. Bush administration, and it was Basically the same concept. There was a period where, you know, we were at war in the Middle East. There was unrest. There was concern about uh, relying on foreign oil. Gas prices were going up. This is a great way to save energy because you've got daylight longer and all the businesses will run the heat less because it'll be, there'll be daylight outside. Okay. Do you buy this? Apparently somebody does because politicians have reacted to it and voted uh, on it twice. But uh, in the Nixon years, going back to when they did it the first time, they reverted back. Why did they revert back? Just what we're talking about. They reverted back because there were issues with little kids waiting for school buses in the dark. And somebody finally noticed this and said, hey, I don't think this is such a great idea. And then that got political traction. So there you go. What are you, what are you going to do? Uh, Jeff, big nay from Jeff. He says no way to the idea of getting rid of changing the clocks. Uh, another person chiming in, wanting to know why this is their biggest concern. Point well taken, sir. There are a lot of other things going on in the world, and uh, that's what the Senate chose to jump on today. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this uh, moving forward. It still has to get through the House. Uh, then it would obviously have to get a signature from the president, and there are no guarantees on either of those things, basically because nobody's been talking about it. We have no earthly idea what they what our lawmakers think on the representative side, because nobody's ever asked them the question that I'm aware of. I'm sure people will be asking that question tomorrow. Folks from the uh, eight districts here in Missouri, get your cell phones ready. You're going to be getting some media calls for your position on daylight saving time. We'll see what happens. I don't like it. Plus, hey, what's, who's going to remind me to change the batteries on my smoke detector? This matters. Cam Wex News Time, 927, back in just a minute. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Coming down the stretch as we head toward 10 o'clock. And what I want to do is I want to bring you, the listener, to bring your evening with us full circle. If you were around back when Dave Glover was on way back in the late afternoon, Kevin Kevin Wheeler joined him. Then Kevin Wheeler took over the airwaves for a while. And now we'll bring get Kevin back once more because, let's face it, I don't think KMOX listeners can get enough Kevin Wheeler. Thanks for coming in with us, Kevin. Well, I, I'm sure they could get enough, but I know that I can't get enough of KMOX, so that that works out okay in this side. Yeah, we're gonna have to get more to start paying some overtime for you or something. You, That's and, all right. And He's Amy got my back. also. Good. Amy Markscore is back in the building with Kevin earlier after yeah. working her normal full day. So this is we're, we got a lot of people who are the gift to keep on giving around here. This is a good Look, thing. You know, we're team players. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Okay. Before we get into sports, I'm going to ask you one question that has nothing to do with it from my last segment. The United States Senate today unanimously passed a, a bill that would make daylight saving time just stay. It would be daylight saving time all year round. Yes or no on your behalf? Honestly, I don't care <laughs> but, uh, like it's not something that bothers me one way or the other but if I if I had to pick then let's just keep it the same year round so we don't have to worry about the the jumping forward and go and bouncing backwards so if we want to have it in the you know have that time after work where we've got a little sunshine I'm down with that okay so another one in the I, yes and to be honest with you George you don't care I'm usually not awake before 10 a.m. <laughs> So I don't give a rat's ass when the sun comes up. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> See, you are in that like enviable position for most of us that have like more of the kind of eight thirty to five kind of gigs during the day. I envy you so much on that front. <laughs> yeah, I just got the weird hours. That's all. I, I get home after midnight during Cardinal season every night. So, what are you more consumed by over the next few days? Is it March Madness or is it the madness of spring training and still a little bit of uh, free agency happening out there, and all the comings. And go- I mean, we've already we've already seen two injuries. Not the kind of news we wanted out of Jupiter in the first couple of days. But uh, w- what is more all consuming for you as we get into the the end of the week, where you've got some of those fun matchups in March Madness early in the tournament? Well, they, they both will, but baseball is the bigger priority, right? I mean, we've got um, you know first Cardinals game on KMOX on Friday. We've got our our countdown to opening day show next week. Uh, I think we're going to do three of those before opening day. So, yeah, baseball is the bigger priority for me. But, it, you know, I mean, they'll both be basically dominating my world for the next few days. Well, let's start with the baseball. and The uh, 
you got the Flaherty situation, and I, I was talking with Tom Ackerman earlier, and the the question, me being a a fan, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is, if this ends up being worst case, where do you go from here? Do you do you look outside? Do you go for a Zach Greinke, or do we have enough with organizational depth and a, a couple of bargain bin free agents that they've signed to replace Jack Flaherty in a rotation? That's a good question, and that really does come down to what we learn, right? I mean, we know that today he had some testing done on the shoulder. Uh, we don't know what the results are of that yet. We're pro- I would guess tomorrow morning will probably, or, or tomorrow afternoon, sometime tomorrow, they'll have the results back. Those aren't always definitive, though. You know, a lot of times it's, okay, we're going to shut it down for, you know, the next three to four days, and then we'll look again and see what's there. Um you know, it, it would if if there's an acute injury, if there's something where you're looking at it and saying, well, we're not going to have Jack for, you know, the first month or two months of the season or whatever, I think it probably would be a good idea to go outside and get something. I mean, we saw last year what happens when the rotation phrase. And, you know, for all of the, the time we spent talking about the offense last year, what really almost did the season in was their rotation. Like, that was the part of the team that didn't perform up to the standard that was necessary. Eventually, once the offense got healthy, once you got everybody out there that, you know, that you expected to, the lineup was actually decent. In fact, in the second half, the lineup was really good. But, you know, the, the pitching side is going to need help. You can't go through what you did last year. I mean, last year, you went through a season where the only starter you could rely on at all for six months was Wainwright. Everybody else was in and out of the rotation. Everybody else struggled. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it'll be better this year, right? Because even, even if Jack's going to miss some time, I mean, you're still looking at, you know, Miles Michaelis being back and Dakota Hudson being healthy and Steven Matz being in the organization. But, you know, you're still managing some of those guys too, right? I mean, you know, Dakota Hudson's only thrown like 20 innings in the last calendar, you know, in the last probably 18 months. You know, it's not like you can just throw 32 starts at him. And you might have to manage a little bit of what you're doing with Miles Michaelis, although I'm less worried about managing him than I would be a younger guy because he's been through it a little bit more. But, yeah, I'd say that that would be something that if you get, I don't want to say a worst-case scenario, but if you get a bad result from the testing, it might not be a bad idea because you have internal options. I think Jake Woodford's a really good option. Uh, Eventually, Matthew Libertor is going to be in this conversation. And, And who knows? Maybe with a great spring, he forces the conversation early on. Oviedo could be in in this conversation, and obviously, you know, they just brought in a um, couple of lower level free agent types, and the one of them, Drew Verhagen, uh, has been a starter in the past. So, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's something you're super comfortable with. But you have guys there, but then you're still working from a, a spot of having less depth, and that really is something that nearly that nearly kept the team from from making a playoff spot last year. And. You know, you you hear Joe Joe Cardinal fan, and, I, and you know the one I'm talking about, the guy who calls into all the shows, and it's always they won't spend any money, most cheap, they won't. You know, you you know the guy, and but it does beg the question. Going to what you said, what did they learn from last year? Because really, what you're talking about here, if you want to, if you want to take sort of the cynical view, is. You've got two guys coming off a Tommy John and a 41-year-old or a 40-year-old that you're relying on before Jack Flaherty's shoulder goes bad. And right, you, right. you have to wonder, you know, and and what has really changed about your depth compared to last year? 
And that's I, I can see where somebody is at least a little nervous about that. Right. I mean, the thing here, though, is that you you didn't have Hudson until September, and you're going to have him in April. Um, you know, again, you don't know that they're going to stay healthy, but you know that you have him, and you know that Miles Michaelis, you know, finished last year healthy, so you would think that he'll begin this year. Um, but so so ideally, it's going to be different just with that. And look, Stephen Matz has had arm has had his his history of arm problems in the past, but not not in the last couple of years. You're in a better place today than you wound up being. But again, let's keep in mind, going into last season, we didn't know that Jack Flaherty was going to miss half the year. I mean, that was totally a fluke, right? right. He had the oblique injury and, and went down. When he came back, the shoulder thing popped up. Like, that wasn't expected at all. So you have to account for that, too, which is why I say if if you get bad news on Flaherty, then, then adding from the outside suddenly makes a lot more sense. Right now, you know, let's say Flaherty, you come back and he's going to start, you know, his, his throwing program is just going to be two days late and he's okay. Well, then you don't need to go add somebody because you already have five starting pitchers and you've got options behind that. But if you have to dig into one of those options before you get to opening day, the extra coverage based on what we experienced last year would seem to make sense. Is it too early for a take on Ali Marmal from you? What are, what are your thoughts so far? What have you seen and heard? I mean, most it's, you know couple of news conferences that he hadn't been around yeah. much yet obviously but he was around before he was involved I'm just I'm just curious uh, I, I know that uh, Tom Ackerman absolutely loves the uh, sort of World Series or bust uh, attitude that he has set in the clubhouse and says you can really feel it down there what what's your take on Ollie so far well I mean you know what we'll ultimately end up judging is what he does tactically right like how does he put lineups together um, you know how do they deploy the bullpen you know what what does he do when it comes to players that are struggling and maybe giving someone else playing time? Like all of that, we'll judge. What I like about Ali so far, it's it's what I what what we've all witnessed, and what I've heard some players mention as well is that his communication skills are fantastic. Um, I love the the detailed way that he answers questions. I like that he's that he's got an energy about it. Like you know, a question comes to him, and it's not about getting through the answer as fast as possible while saying as little as possible, which is a, a tactic you'll get a lot in professional sports. Um, so I appreciate that, and I know that his players will. Like That's something that all players want. They want to know where they stand. They want to know what the plan is. They want to know how they're going to be used. And you know, even sometimes if there's news that they're not going to love, if there's an open line of communication, it works. And I think that is, in a modern manager, that is near the top of the list of things that's necessary. Because modern players are being asked to do a lot of things, right? They're being asked sometimes to sit a little bit more than they'd like to, uh, whether it's to get rest or to, to allow a platoon advantage or whatever. They're asking starters to come out when they don't want to come out of the game, you know, go into the bullpen and things along those lines. So the open, the, the, the ability to communicate and keep everybody on the same page is a big deal. So, and that's all we've really been able to see. You know, we're, we have, what, two days of spring training, those are just drills that everybody does. You know, there's nothing special there. And we'll start to get a better feel for the tactics and the strategies when it comes to putting together lineups and putting together the bullpen once we get into April. Is it a break for him as a rookie National League manager that he walks in with a designated hitter rule coming into play? I don't think so. And I know I know that there are really, really smart baseball people that will argue to the death, and I'm talking about people that have managed the game, that will argue to the death that you know the National League style required more. I just don't believe it. 
There's nothing more complicated about it. A lot of your moves are scripted anyway. Uh, the double switch is something I figured out when I was nine years old. It's not like that's complicated, right? You, you, you're going to put in a hitter for the pitcher, and then you're going to put the pitcher spot somewhere in the lineup as far away as, as you can from where you are so that you can push off that, that position coming around. I mean, it's not complicated. And all the matchups are left versus right at this point. But so, you are allowed to, but you are allowed to make your decision solely on how the pitcher is performing on the mound. You you don't get well, put right. you don't that's get back a harder in that thing, by the way. Right? You're not there's no longer the automatic pitching change. You're down by a run. Well, you got to hit for the guy. You can't let a relief pitcher bat. You got to hit for him. Well, now you're making the determination solely based on the matchups and how your guys doing. Right. Which is a whole different level of strategy. It's it's not the same strategy, but I think it's the same level of strategy. But the, again, what we normally think of as strategy in baseball, George, is basically gone. All of the things that we used to talk about, a manager's gut instinct, that's gone. It's analytics. Like, there's a plan going into the game. If these batters are coming up, these are our available relievers for today. These are the people that will fit in these particular situations. And yeah, there's a feel for it. Like, the manager knows who's really 100% and who might be 90%, who might be a little tired or might have a sick kid at home and be a little distracted. Like, there's there's definitely that, and that's the critical part that managers handle. But when it comes to the flat-out strategy, it's, it, it's, a, it's a whole front office slash coaching staff strategy. It's no longer just the gut play of the guy in charge. And as we talk about the designated hitter, let me segue into that one for you. Play, uh, play Nostradamus for me. Who is the designated hitter for the St. Louis Cardinals or do we have designated hitters as we go into the year? You'll probably see several people in there. Um, the guy that has the best chance early on, if he if he has a good three weeks down in Jupiter, the guy that has the best chance of taking it and running with it is Juan Yepes. Um, it, you know, when you when you look at his, you know, where he is in his development, he's further along than say Nolan Gorman, for example. Right, Nolan's a lot younger. Uh, he still needs work defensively at second base. So, and and by the way, he's also not on the forty man roster, which Juan Yepes is. So we got to keep that in mind too. Uh, but when you're when you're looking at a guy like Yepes, you're looking at a player that has some ability to move around the field. Now, from what I understand, defensively he is definitely best served at first base, but he has played occasionally at third, and he has played some left field, if I remember correctly. These are not things you really want him to do, but he can. But the bigger thing is, he's a bat that looks like it's ready. I mean, he posted a 967, or sorry, a 969 OPS last year in the minor leagues, 27 home runs, and then went to the Arizona Fall League, which is where all the best young players go in the fall, and he was the second best hitter in the league. So, and and by the way, the majority of the numbers that he put up last year in the minors were at AAA. Okay. I mean, he only played 92 games at AAA and hit 22 home runs. Wow. So, you know, you project that out to 140 games, it's 30, 35 home runs. So he's definitely an impact bat. He doesn't strike out a ton. He walks his fair share. He's a 274 career hitter in the minors, so there's a little bit of batting average in there as well. I think that's the guy that if somebody's going to run with it, he would be it. But Lars Nootbaar is going to be in that conversation. They're going to find him at bats. Um, and and I, I think what you're going to see, George, too, is and, – and Ali Marmol has talked about this, not in specific terms but in general terms, that they're going to play matchups. And that doesn't always mean left, right, right, left. That can mean 
a good a guy that really handles fastballs, getting up there against the fastball pitcher, or a guy that's better at handling off speed, getting out there against a the guy that throws a lot of breaking balls. Like there are a lot of ways to play matchups, and that's part of the curiosity. But I would say you're going to see a lot of guys, uh, or not, I wouldn't say a lot, but several rotate through there, unless somebody just takes off and runs with it. And early on, the guy that I, that I would bet on that being possible for is Yepes. And to those who have visions of uh, Kyle Schwarber or even Albert Pujols dancing through their heads, uh, what do you say to them? I mean, look, Schwarber would be great. I mean, that's a prime-age left-handed power bat who gets on base. And that's one thing. If you're looking at something this team doesn't have a lot of, they don't have a lot of punch from the left side. I mean, you know, Dylan Carlson's a switch hitter, so you'll have him batting lefty against right-handers. You know, you've got uh, Lars Newtbar that bats from the left side, but – O'Neal, Bader, DeYoung, Goldschmidt, Arenado, uh, all right-handers. Yachty, a right-hander. So Tommy Edmonds, your only other left-handed bat, left-handed hitter against a righty. Obviously, he's a switch hitter too. So another lefty would be good, which is why I mentioned Newt Barr might be a guy that gets some play uh, at the DH spot. Certainly, Nolan Gorman could figure into that too, and Gorman's a future 35 home run guy. So when he's ready, I'm, I'm sure he'll be here in some capacity, but we don't know if that's going to be early on in the season or not. So, yeah, Shorba would be great. I I don't see a huge fit for Albert. Um, I mean, I think we all see the emotional fit, right? Right. We all see the homecoming, wrapping it up with Wayno and Yachty as teammates, uh, maybe having a few dramatic home runs. But when your weakness is not having enough punch from the left side of the plate and you're bringing in a guy that really only hits lefties now, <laughs> yeah, that's not really a, a skill that you're you're really that you're really desperate for. And when you look at how the bench spots figure to align, right? I think we have a pretty good idea of who the starting eight are, and and the ninth will be the DH. But I don't think we have that yet. But you take the starting eight, and you're probably going to have five bench players, and one of them will be the DH on any given day. Well, we know you're going to have the backup catcher in in Andrew Kisner. Uh, it looks like Newt Barr is going to be the, the extra outfielder. Edmundo Sosa is in that mix because he might be starting at shortstop. And, you know, then you're looking at, all right, who are the other guys? Well, you have somebody that's going to probably replace Matt Carpenter. We don't know who that is. Maybe that's Brandon, Brendan Donovan, who's another prospect, who's an interesting dude, George. I mean, Brendan Donovan took, tore the cover off the ball last year. He plays everywhere in the infield, although he's probably best at second base. But he can play anywhere in the infield. He's a left-handed bat. And he's 25. So he's not really the guy that you're trying to keep in the minor leagues for a whole lot longer. I mean, he's in a spot now at 25 years old where you're probably okay with him just serving in a bench role if that's what's necessary. But, you know, he's a guy that hit extremely well at three levels in the minor leagues last year and hit super well in the Arizona Fall League. And he's also a guy that, in addition to having some pop and and really good on-base skill, he can swipe a bag. So... You know, that's another player that could be in that mix. And would you rather have that versatile player who can play three or four positions and bat left-handed, or would you rather have Albert? And that's kind of the question. And then, obviously, Juan Yepes would be another guy in competition, and that's the other thing. If you have Albert, there's really no room for Juan Yepes. They're the same guy. They're right-handed hitting first baseman. And you don't want two of those on your bench. All righty. So, again, I'm not saying you wouldn't do it, because, look, Yepes might show he's not ready. He might have a terrible spring and be like, oh, we don't know what to do. And then maybe there is a fit. Uh, but I, 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 and again, I understand the emotional side. And I would actually understand the argument more for a guy like Schwarber because he's a clear upgrade over what you have. And I'm not sure that Albert is. 
Well, Kevin, I could go on with this all day long, but I'm being yelled at by the producer that we're out of time. So thank you for staying up late with us. And uh, I'll tell Matt to be nicer next time. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Campbell X News Time, 951. It's Annie Fry. 9.55, time to wrap it up. But the Senate was busy today. First they passed the daylight saving time, and then they've now passed something. They passed a bill to repeal CDC mask mandates for airplanes and public transportation. And that was like a, what, 57 to 30 it looks like the numbers were. So uh, that'll be something people will be arguing about tomorrow as well. United States Senate. Acting strange, Democrats and Republicans voting together. Cats and dogs. Craziness. Who thought it might happen? Thanks again for being with us. This has been KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells. About time to bid a fond farewell, except I'm going to be honest, I misread the clock and I had 10 more seconds than I thought I did. So I'll give you 10 more seconds of a thank you for being with us. Be sure to be up right and early in the morning for KMOX in the a.m. Good night. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 